Hello, my name is Thomas. Welcome to this episode of British Culture Albion Never Dies, in which British Bond addict, as he's known on Instagram, Chris Hunt, talks me through his top and bottom James Bond films. We first got to know each other through Instagram, um, both of us sharing about our love of James Bond, we interacted, we started to message each other more, actually had some video chats. He has appeared on this podcast six times before, this is the 007th appearance, so I thought a good time to talk about Bond. And we have met up in real life, in case you're wondering, that one of our episodes was recorded live as we potted about London. As you may have seen on our Instagrams, we've met at uh, Hammersmith Bridge and some of the central London locations. So it's really good to have him here to talk about his love of the James Bond films, the best and controversially the worst. And I'll say now, this, this is the first part of two. He will be joining me next week to talk about the most controversial choices. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Okay. Coffee at the ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay, Chris, thank you very much for joining me a 007th time. Oh, this is a, it's a special appearance. 007th appearance on the podcast. I must say, this is the only podcast I've appeared on 007 times, and this seems to be the perfect one. <laughs> I am very happy to be monopolizing you like this. <laughs> <laughs> Please continue. <laughs> and I thought as it's the 007th time, we might as well dive straight into the world of James Bond. Uh, yes yeah about time we everyone loves a good ranking um, <laughs> everyone likes to get angry about a ranking if it's not theirs um oh so... i can't wait to irritate the entire audience with my list <laughs> <laughs> same same um and i ask okay straight up your top three james bond films my top three okay yeah. and this is in order i'll go in reverse order from three to one okay okay uh so number three is Goldeneye. Oh, okay. I must say there's a bit of nostalgia based on this one, especially in comparison to the video game. And of course, Piers Brosnan, I always see as my Bond in a way. Mm. Um, but it's one I watched on VHS almost the most as a kid. Uh, my number one, maybe the one I watched the most, potential spoilers. Uh, but Goldeneye, I feel like it's one of those films that gets better with age. The casting is fantastic. Sean Bean is a villain I am all about. Um, I just have a blast every time I watch this film. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, so Goldeneye. That is a popular favourite. I do find it interesting people do tie it in with the video game quite a lot. Yeah, well, one of my earliest memories of Bond is actually playing the video game. Like, like the films were always about, but I got the, the console very early on in my life, and I think it was putting what I'd seen on the screen to a multi-sensory format mm. really resonated with me. Oh, that's really interesting. I'll say straight up, I know that mine is a lot lower for Goldeneye, but also I have no particular connection to the original video game. In fact, uh-huh. I love I love Goldeneye Reloaded. The one yes, with Daniel Craig. Also a superb <laughs> game. I love yeah. that game. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so that was your third number two. Oh, should, do you want to do a back and forth or should I go from my three? Do you want oh, to oh, sure. your third? Yeah, and uh, I realized that when I was I I don't really have a ranking except a, a magazine asked me to. And I did a massive cop-out, uh, which is I did my top for every Bond, and then I did the ranking. <laughs> oh, um, I see. That's, a, that's an interesting way of doing it. Lays and Bees is, well, he's only got one. Exactly. Um... <laughs> so if I go with my Pierce Brosnan to match, then my favourite Brosnan is definitely Tomorrow Never Dies. 
Oh, fantastic. Um, which may tie into the name of my Instagram account, Fleming Never Dies, and indeed this podcast, Albion Never Dies. It kind of, you know, it's on a theme, it's on a theme. <laughs> but does not make your top three? Um, it's it's my top one for Brosnan. It probably does make my top three, uh, oh. but it's my favourite Brosnan for sure. Mm, very fascinating. Uh, in that case, shall I go on to my number two? Please do, yeah. Uh, my number two, which was my number one for a very long time, about 11 years until I recently had a rejig, uh, Skyfall. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, the um, it was... I've talked about this with many people. Um, there was something about it being in Britain at that time, right after the Olympics. So much of it resonated with me. And the fact it's such a British film and... Mm. The period of my life I was in, you know, just before yeah. university, all of this stuff happening, the uh, the London Olympi- Olympics going incredibly successfully, and just it being a good film. Like, mm. Daniel Craig's films have dropped significantly for me over the years. This is the only one that's remained steadfast. Um, I think it's because it's kind of its own story. There's not yeah. very many links to the whole Vesper arc. There's not many sort of, you know, back and forth bits here and there. It's just a standard Bond adventure. And obviously, you throw in the fact... Um, M dies at the end. Spoiler. Um, <laughs> M dies at the end. And lots of people have told me that's a very sad ending for a Bond film. But I think the introduction of the new M and mm. the, the the readiness for the next mission, I love that bit so much more. It's the 50th anniversary film, of course. And I left... The, it's weird. I watched that film with my dad for the first time. We went to the cinema like seven times or something to watch it. Oh, wow. Leaving that cinema for the first time, I'll never forget walking out of my dad in absolute silence until we got to the car because we were just processing it. And if you know me or if you know my dad, we talk a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's a very impactful film. And there we totally match, by the way. That's my favourite Craig by a long way. Yeah. Yeah. I know Casino Royale hits for a lot of people and it never hit with me. I never caught that wave. I'm the same. I really enjoyed it when it first came out, but looking at my list now, Casino Royale is 15th. Yeah. Which I don't think is a fair representation. In fairness, something everyone says uh, of my list of 25, the top 23 are all films I enjoy. Like, I thoroughly <laughs> enjoy them. And to be fair, the two that aren't in the top 25, I still quite enjoy too. Yeah. Um, so to say objectively, Casino Royale 15th sounds really harsh for how mm. good of a film it is. But of course, this is objective. Please remember, audience. And also, it's <laughs> that's still quite high in a fantastic group of films. Yes, yes. And the the comments we made is like pizza. A bad pizza is still pretty good. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so I say totally agree with you on that's the best, Craig. And uh, can I ask your number one? Well, you've actually mentioned it already. Um, this one was one that's it's been around in my mind for a little bit. It's by far my most watched. And I realise it's just the film I enjoyed the most watching. I don't think it's the best crafted film. I don't think it's the best film in the Bond franchise. It's just my favourite, and it's Tomorrow Never Dies. Oh, wow. I really, really love that film. Every time I watch it, I have a great time. I, I can understand why people aren't particularly keen on it in some cases. And... I must say, as much of some bits have aged rather unspectacularly, uh, the remote control BMW, for want of a better phrase, <laughs> the story itself gets so much better with age. And yeah. this kind of like, you know, period of media we're in, it was kind of ahead of its time in a really strange way. I fully understand why some people have this film very low. But for me, for just pure enjoyment factor, and it is just the film I'm most likely to throw on. If it's a Sunday, it's raining... I want to watch a Bond film. 
more often than not, it's Tomorrow Never Dies. And I remember as a kid, my dad coming back home with that VHS and just watching it constantly. Every morning before school, I'd get up half an hour before my parents could so I could sneakily watch bits of it because they wouldn't have been too happy otherwise. And I just thoroughly enjoyed this film. It's definitely one that's um, tinted or tainted, sorry, by rose-tinted spectacles. Um, but in fairness, <laughs> sometimes when it comes to favourites, that's yeah. a benefit. Absolutely, absolutely. And I I totally agree with you on this. I think this is uh, one that for me just stands out almost from the whole series. Uh, yeah. It's just good fun. Mm. I often like when people mention, because something I've realised with uh, joining the Instagram account, which I did three years ago, by the way, good Ooh. lord, um, over three years ago, something that's interesting, this always pops up quite a bit on the sartorial references, and they often say this is a Pierce Bosnian's breast-looking Bond film, mm. uh, akin to Daniel Craig and Quantum of Solace, for example. Um, I just enjoy any mention of this film. Okay. <laughs> to be honest. And you do one of my favourite villains. Oh, and that thing played so brilliantly by uh, John Price as well. Uh, mm. Just I, 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 something I quote on a day. There's two quotes I have almost daily with my kids uh, at school. I'm a teacher. Uh, I don't, <laughs> I don't have 42 children. Um, <laughs> at my school, I often start with the <laughs> "Hello, my golden retrievers." Uh. Also, if they do something particularly good, I cannot help but just say "delicious." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's good. I've just been reading the novelization actually, which is something oh, I've read before. Yeah, it's really good. I, um, I was in a conversation with Roman Benson recently, uh, obviously the guy who wrote it for those who don't answer where. And I asked about the inspiration for kind of like Wei Lin's backstory in mm. uh, that novelization. And it, basically, his short was she is a really awesome, badass character, but we don't see enough of that in the film. So he tried to shove it all into the novelization instead. I thoroughly enjoyed the novel. I've only read it once, but I did thoroughly enjoy the novelization. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. We seem very much aligned with our top three. Um, Interesting. I, I'm very much liking that. I'd say generation and location of origin. Maybe yes. part of that. Because I've also noticed with Skyfall, uh, you know, it, it has the bittersweet ending, and that's something that Brits tend towards, and Americans very much shy away from. Yes, that's something I've really come to terms with recently. I was, I was having a conversation with a very good friend of mine about our favourite TV show endings, mm. and all of the ones I brought up, uh, Life on Mars, Blackadder, all had this bittersweet ending. And the American I was talking to, they all had very positive endings, even Mad Men, which is quite a depressing <laughs> series in itself. It still has an uplifting style of ending. So that's a very good observation. Mm. Mm. So... I listen to Joe Darlington a lot, being James Bond, and he talks about how, you know, the first one is normally, yeah, we can all agree on that. Second one, okay. Third, it might start to get a bit strange. And then you go to that kind of fourth and fifth, and it mm. tends to be where you get the, the deviations. Yeah. <laughs> so may I ask you <laughs> about your fourth and fifth? Well, it's interesting because my sixth is, I feel like, where I start to deviate. My ooh, fourth and ooh, fifth. Okay. I'd say my fourth and fifth, I'm pretty sure on. Um, there was one that was in my top five, which was Dr. No for the longest time, but that's dropped down to, and this is on a recent ranking, it's dropped down to 11th. I love Dr. No. I think it's a great film, but it really fell behind some of these. My number six, which might be the most controversial take I'm going to have for this entire podcast, is Goldfinger, and that's oh. on Thin Ice. Okay, okay. <laughs> if we go with my my idea of, you know, the the, the six of the best from the from the from all the, all the actors... Then yeah, that puts it on seventh for me. 
I'm not sure if that's quite true, where I rank oh. it, I have all my favourites for the Bonds, and then Goldfinger, I suppose, would be kind of next for that. What's your number one Connery, then? Oh, from Russia with Love. Oh, okay, yeah. I completely yeah. understand that. Yeah, yeah I, I find it a lot more serious. I find him a more human character. I feel Goldfinger is where you start to have kind of a superhuman bond. Yes. It's Goldfinger, I don't have anything negative to say about it. The films above it are just films I enjoy the certain aspects of it more. And for those of you in the audience who are listening to this and have you know struggled with being like, oh, I have to put this here because uh, everyone loves this film, it's okay to be slightly yeah. different. Oh, absolutely. And and, I, and my attitude towards it is, you know, there's a whole generation who's like, but I remember when it came out in the cinemas. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm the generation where I don't. And I remember, you know, watching it as a teen and finding some of it quite awkward and dated. Yes, it's, it's one film that's continuing to age badly but thankfully it's only a few certain moments as opposed to the entire mm. film in general oh definitely definitely and, and to be honest that there's certain resonances with tomorrow never dies as well which mm. oh absolutely might, you might almost see that film as kind of a lap of glory yes. for james bond it is kind of all the best bits um, the one thing i found about goldfinger is that i always appreciate watching a film where you, you can find where cliches started oh yeah. yeah this is one of them this is where that whole like obviously bond mania really cooked off with thunderball um mm. but with goldfinger you, you really see it being laid down especially with like you know even the title sequence with shirley bassey like yeah. even from there that that's the one they always parody and i can really appreciate this, watching this film going hey this was such a like mold breaking film. Yeah, everyone tried to copy it. Oh, absolutely, and it's uh, you know it, it's why sometimes I look at Doctor No as a slightly funny film. It's probably my least watched Bond out of oh. all of them, um, just because they haven't really invented Bond yet. <laughs> no, I mean that's the thing, and it, the one that gets me with Doctor No is the soundtrack. I, mm. I really like Doctor No, but the soundtrack is. 1950s kind of B movie style yes. in so many different ways, especially when they have they flip over the folder and it says Doctor No, and you just get trumpets for no real reason, <laughs> emphasis. Um, all the time, yes, and in some ways it works, especially when you get you know meeting Strangways and the club, and you know flashing back to London saying, "Oh, they've not picked up yet, sir." That, yeah. That's quite nice to see, but also as much as it's a good thing, it sometimes hinders it too. From my personal experience, for for many people, that will be a draw to the film. Yeah, yeah. And it certainly stands as kind of a unique Bond film. Yes, not... absolutely. I still have no idea why they picked that one to be the first Bond film. Yeah, I guess it's, I mean, you could say, oh, it's just one location. But then I, I thought about that. Yeah, most of the books are just one location. Yeah, that's the thing. Cause I remember one is, as you say, one location, they could go to Barbados to a travelogue aspect. Mm. But there's so many other books that have exactly the same scenario. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is one film where I wouldn't mind seeing it remade and just add in the CGI giant octopus. Um... <laughs> yes, absolutely. Having things for <laughs> life against the squid. That exactly. and him smashing tarantulas in the pipe. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I mean, you really get into Fleming in the original novel. You get into Fleming's love for really gruesome tortures. Um <laughs> Yeah, and I I quite like those aspect. I'd rather we saw more of the Doctor knows, like you know, trying to figure out the extent of the human body. Um, but yes. hey, what we had was still very good and oh, kicked yes. off the franchise we love so dearly. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so those were your one, two, three, four, five, six. So that was my that was my one two three six. Uh, oh. The four and five are I'm pretty set in my ways at this point. Okay, okay. <laughs> Uh, so five for me is License to Kill. Um, oh. 
And depending on the generation of Bond fans I've talked to, I've had some very different, like, you know, back and forth. For people who lived through the Miami Miami Vice era, this seemed like a cop-out. For someone who never saw Miami Vice and saw this is the first time of an 80s pastel drug movie, blew my mind. Mm. And I still have that. I've seen Miami Vice since. I've seen the 80s drug drug TV shows, films, books, novels. I've seen all of that since. Um, But this was my first exposure. And from that alone, it is a damn good film. And I really really enjoyed the the villain Dalton's representation of Bond in this the the stakes of character the revenge aspect before he had you know almost every other film being a revenge <laughs> <laughs> I love License to Kill a lot and I will stand on a hill and defend it until the bitter end again if you were alive in the 80s and had to live through my advice and this came like five years late I mm. fully understand but from my perspective this is a superb Bond film Oh, absolutely. And it's my favourite, uh, Dalton. So it ends yeah. up being in my top six, for sure. I think mm-hmm. it's his best performance. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of this film. I think uh, when I was first reading the books, this would have been my number one Bond film overall, hands down. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah it's um, it's uh, also having watched the, all the behind-the-scenes documentaries of Dalton, this was the Bond he wanted to be, and there's a yeah. bit of satisfaction from that because he really wanted Bond, and I'm, I'm not going to say his accent because he's a bastard differently than I do, but he wanted to be a cold bastard. Mm. Um, Derbyshire accent comes out quite strongly. She's referred to as the <laughs> Welsh Bond, but he was there, for I think, for a few months and actually went to school in Derby. This, so. this smile for the birdie bastard. Yes. <laughs> Which is interesting because I think Dalton is a great Bond, but his other film suffers heavily on my list. <laughs> mm, mm, it's a bit mid for me. It's a bit meandering. It was written for Roger Moore, and that doesn't suit what he was trying to do. And there's, while there are some great scenes, there's too many where it's just a bit too awkward. Have you seen that deleted scene of the flying carpet? <laughs> Ugh, exactly. <laughs> 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 you can see how uncomfortable Mr. Shakespeare and actor is with uh, just being on a flying carpet and wave. I mean, and following the the possibly the best scene in the film where he's trying to uh, execute Pushkin. Yeah, like uh, the fact it goes from one to the other. Yeah, I I would have had a neck brace from the whiplash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a consistent tone, right? So that's one thing license to go is really good at for me for my money, which is consistent tone. Like it is yes. what it is. Mm-hmm. I love it. And my number four, um, which has risen a lot in recent years and is really cementing itself now, uh, Live and Let Die. Oh, really? Oh, okay. I really, I enjoy the Roger Moore films uh, just as kind of, you know, easy watching. But Live and Let Die, I think, is actually a thoroughly good Bond story. Okay. I think it's from the fact it follows the books quite closely. Uh, the mm. book, sorry, quite closely. Um, and I just love Roger Moore's performance. Obviously, he grows into Bond in a very different way as the films go on. Mm. I quite like the slightly more Saint Simon Templar thing we see in yeah. the first. Um, and having watched lots of Roger Moore in ITC programs such as The Saint, The Persuade, um i quite enjoyed watching that progression and i just enjoyed the area and i must say moving to america uh being a brit <laughs> going to america has somewhat affected this in some way uh but i've not visited new york oh, yet so yeah. i can't claim i can't claim compete over the top as well you can see um obviously yes. you aren't listeners because you are listening um but the uh video chat in which uh thomas is talking to me i have a picture a giant picture of roger moore in a boat in the louisiana swamps behind me and i bought that specifically because it's a britain america and it's a brit i massively admire now, admire maybe the wrong word uh <laughs> we enjoy watching him 
we enjoy watching him. Mm. <laughs> we try to follow certain aspects of his lifestyle, just not all of them. <laughs> just not all of them. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> I find it interesting that lots of people do connect to it uh, location-wise. Lots of Americans seem to like this film, uh, which... For me, I'm, I'm a kind of a combo breaker on this one. It is probably my lowest rated Roger Moore film. And I think really? a, lot, wow. a lot to do with it is the, the place, the themes of the film. And, and for me, the ending, I just always found unsatisfying. Um, but I know I place it really low, except I do like music. Um, I think there's one bit of orchestral music really in it, which I really like, Boat Chase. <laughs> I must say, one one good friend I have, and I know she won't mind me sharing this story, is Burb James Burb. Now, of mm. course, I've, I've had a lot of collaborations with. Uh, she's from Louisiana, and this was the first Bond film she watched. And I think that really cemented her love for Bond. She is a, a Bond fanatic. And I think the fact that her dad showed her this while she was still in Louisiana just really kicked that off. So, um, yeah, it's interesting, as you say, location can really make a massive difference. And when it comes to the books, Moonrake is my favourite book. I don't know if that's because it's all set in Britain or because it's just a great story. Hmm. Um, And then Skyfall is my second favourite, and it's possibly the most British Bond film of them all. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they do stamp the Union flag on anything they can. (laughs) Absolutely. Even the dog. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I know quite a few of us have that Dalton dog, so uh... Oh, I've got the uh, I've got the cufflinks. Oh do you? Yes, I've got these as uh cufflinks to wear. To oh wear fantastic. Uh, so... when this episode comes out, I'll post it, I'll post about these and can share them with our with our avid listeners. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> it's a multi sensory experience. Exactly. <laughs> now should we go to the should we go to possibly the more controversial part of this Oh, yes. Podcast? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> this is, I feel like people don't mind people's favourites. It's people's least favourites where people get really upset. Yes, yes. How <laughs> dare you rate this so low? <laughs> um, and yeah, my bottom five, there's um, there's a few in there. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I'm bracing myself. Let me know. Uh, so my 25th okay. of all of them, and this... this Hipped 24 and 25 are two I don't thoroughly enjoy watching particularly. They're almost equal. So I'm going to say both at the same time. Uh, Quantum of Solace and Moonraker. Oh, wow. And they're two really different ones. And uh, and I'll say now, Quantum of Solace is kind of what got me into the films. Oh, really? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Like, it wasn't the first one I saw in the cinema or anything like that, but I think it was the one that just hit me at the right place at the right time and... I was a Bond fan from that point on, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. If I watch Quantum of Solace, I still end up having, you know, an enjoyable time. I I, I especially enjoy watching it with other people and talking about it. Mm. I think the issue is for me with that film in particular, it was just the editing choices mm. and certain stylistic things that happen in that film. My dad has the best quote and he came up with it completely by himself. I assumed he heard it from like Hitchcock or something. <laughs> He said, if you ever notice a direction in a film, the director's doing doing it badly. Yeah. And you notice that from the f- fourth second of that film. Like, if you get past that glorious opening shot and you see the Aston Martin car chase, I don't like watching a film where it's all so blurred. It's so born. Mm. And I know Bond has a tendency to you know, follow what's popular at the time. And sometimes it works in its favour. 
Um, but my two least favorite films are ones that followed the trend. And that's yeah. also specifically the, me- the reason I dislike Moonraker. Like even the fact the previous film, Spy Who Loved Me, said next up is Fear Eyes Only. And then, oh, sorry, we're going to do Moonraker because we can throw space laser gun battles yeah. in. And the first half of Moonraker isn't a bad film, but the second half I find so appalling. It <laughs> dropped down so massively to me. As much as I love the first half of the film, like the horror scene, technically, we had with the dogs mm. and all that jazz. Oh, yeah. I don't know what it is. Moonraker just leaves a sour taste in my mouth every time I watch it. To me, that's like, it's almost like from a different film. It's really yeah. odd, that dog scene. It's, uh, it is horrific, but it, it also doesn't fit the tone of the entirety of the rest of the film. And then five minutes later, you get the bondola. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly as a it doesn't quite work as a palate cleanser as you say you get the you're in a neck brace from the <laughs> yeah how about you what are your two least favorites ah i know that uh my least favorite that i put on this list uh, i feel i'm maybe being a bit harsh now i'm looking back at my list but it is spectre uh Ooh, okay that yeah that's my fifth least favorite <laughs> okay okay and for me it is um Oh, sorry, sixthly favorite. Sorry, look, just looking oh. at my list, my sixthly favorite. Yeah, I think the 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 crux of the matter for me is like like what the villain, what is the villain trying to do? Like what's, yeah. What is his evil plan? He's he's going to be he's going to know everything. Okay, uh, he's mm-hmm. going. I mean, we have Facebook. Um, I lived in China, <laughs> whether it's WeChat, you know, it's just like okay, so he's going to know stuff. <laughs> um, I don't find these algorithms particularly terrifying. You know, for example, I'm sure Amazon knows a lot of my buying choices, but if I buy a wheelbarrow, then for the next two months, it's suggesting wheelbarrows. And I'm like, I have a wheelbarrow. You know this. I've just bought one. I am not collecting them. I am not storing them. I'm not stockpiling them. I just bought one. So, um, I mean, for me, Spectre is 20th on my list overall. Um, It's raised by the fact there are certain scenes from that film I can really enjoy. Oh, yeah. And if I ever watch this film i watch it in segments like i watch the opening mexico scene which i adore i mm. think that's a great scene um i fully understand the brofeld um annoyance mm. uh, i can really understand that um but i didn't love the, the c character and the o yes. the, uh, seven eyes in the film but i believe there's actually nine eyes in real life yes uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think the reason it's so low for me is because there was a great opportunity for a really good film there. And also, I don't buy Madeline Swan and Bond as, no. you, know, you know, fully united couples, like, you know, destined to be, especially as in the next film, he spends the first half of it going, <laughs> Vespa. Yeah, exactly. And they're both great actors and act, you know, actor, actress. They're both fantastic, yeah. but they just don't have any chemistry. It's really odd. Absolutely uh, not. That's the thing, but I, I still think the best chemistry in a Bond film is either Roger Moore and Lois Maxwell or Roger Moore and uh, Maud Adams in Octopussy. Yeah, yeah And absolutely. that's, like, you buy that. With this, you don't get any of it whatsoever. And that really hinders it, especially especially knowing what follows Spectre. Uh, mm. um, which, to be fair, No Time to Die is ranked higher than Spectre for me. Um, but I think pretty high up on my list, actually. I, I really like, I like how it's done there, uh, but like I said, I look at Spectre as such a waste. There's so much potential. I mean, there's rarely yeah. good bits with uh, Ray Fiennes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the 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 chunks I enjoy have elevated this film. Mm. I think I think my twenty third and twenty second might go down poorly with the listeners and possibly even yourself here. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you again to Chris, who you can find on Instagram at British Bond Addict. Tune in next week. 
to find out about the biggest controversies in our listings. Finally, we have one which we really do disagree. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I must say, getting two Brits to talk about things that they might mildly disagree with. Number <laughs> 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 um, um, 